Welcome to That the Hive Podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. On today's episode, we don't talk about the coronavirus at all. That's not true. We talk about it a little bit at the beginning, but we don't spend too much time on it because I'm sure everybody's heard enough of it everywhere else they get their news. This episode, we talk mostly about the Hornets, how well they've been playing, playing good defense, winning some surprising games, all that good stuff. So let's get started. What's up, guys? It's Jonathan, joined by Zach. Zach, has anything happened? Do you have anything you need to talk about? I feel like there's nothing to talk about in the NBA. I, uh, I can't think of anything, to be honest with you. I uh, haven't <laughs> been. I haven't turned on my phone or looked at my computer at all. So, uh, no, wait. They suspended. <laughs> I'm just looking at. They suspended the NBA season. Did you see? There's like a guy on Twitter who's like, my manager just took like an eight, like in January, took like an eight week sabbatical. Uh, to a mountain cabin in North Carolina, no phone, no internet or anything. It's like, this guy's going to come back and have his mind blown. I think the world exploded, yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't want to be too political on this podcast, Jonathan, but mm-hmm. I don't like the coronavirus. I'm just going to say it right now, <laughs> for the record, it's a bummer. Anti-coronavirus stance. Yeah, and obviously for anybody who doesn't know, and I'm sure that you do, the NBA has decided to suspend the season until further notice. Um, because of the coronavirus and the potential of fans and players and employees being affected by it. And we've already had two players be test positive for the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of uh, ways we can approach this, Jonathan, but it's I love basketball and I know you yeah. do too. And it's taken away one of the things that we love in our lives and there are bigger fishes fish to fry and you know people are are losing wages and losing their lives to this disease and i don't want to make light of that but i really hate that we've lost a little bit of what we love when it comes to the coronavirus stopping the nba season midway through or really three-fourths of the way through yeah no it's it's one of the like i look forward to i always look forward to like hornets game nights and in basketball in general is on my tv almost every night at some point so it's gonna be it's a weird void to fill like i know you know oh i can't watch my favorite sport on tv is a very minor problem out of all of this compared to what other people have to deal with but yes like looking at it from, you know, we have to look at things through our own lens at certain points. And it's, yeah, it's unfortunate that basketball's is gone for at least 30 days is the, the current, like the initial timeline they've set. Yeah. And, and there are people who work with the NBA, um, especially people who are making lower wages, who are on hourly wages, who don't know mm-hmm. when their next paycheck is going to come. And that's a serious issue that both the NBA and the individual teams need to address. And that's something serious, but that's not what we address on this podcast. We address mm-hmm. Hornet-specific stuff, NBA-specific stuff, and we wish all those people well. 
We hope that everybody is healthy and can pay their bills and get groceries and get toilet paper because apparently everybody <laughs> decided to just take all the toilet paper. Toilet paper is the hot button item for this for this uh, pandemic. I don't know. Pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If you, I read an article that's like we tried to find out why people are buying toilet paper, and they asked people like at Costco that were stocking them with toilet paper. They're like, I don't know. Everybody else is buying it, and I'm afraid they're going to run out, so I just had to buy it now. And that makes you know people with that attitude. Anyway, uh, I do want to ask about this this NBA suspension thing. How did you did you find out? Did you were you watching the game? Did you see it on online? Like, how did you find out? And what was your initial reaction to it? I saw it as a notification on my phone, um, and I heard about the experience through other people watching the uh the jazz game was uh-huh. it the jazz versus the rockets thunder, thunder the, i think the thunder exactly yeah because yeah, they're in oklahoma city and i you know i have been listening to other political podcasts and reading the news so I was expecting certain things to happen. I really, I was expecting us to watch games with no audience because that was yeah, the first that was that my got, expectation was that, too. Yeah, yeah, that they would stop letting fans come into the games. But to actually have the NBA season stop, it, it's a there's a, it's a large hole in my social calendar. It really <laughs> is, and yeah. I'm sure that my wife and your girlfriend are kind of appreciative that not every <laughs> night there's NBA basketball on there, mm-hmm. but. Um, how did you hear about it? So I had a flag football game last night and I can't remember if it was at halftime or like when the game ended, I just, I grabbed my phone and put it in my pocket. And when I pushed the, when I hit my phone, like I had a ton of notifications, which isn't uncommon that I'll have just like ESPN alerts and Twitter notifications and stuff. Like I'll have a bunch of them. So I can't really see them all at once. And I saw that a notification that said the jazz and thunder game has been postponed due to unforeseen circumstances. And that's all I saw before I just like put my phone away. Cause I didn't like open it and unlock all the notifications and stuff. And I was like, I wonder if that's coronavirus related. That seems kind of important, but I'll look at that later. And then, um, and so I put my phone away. I was like talking to my friends after the game. And then I was got in my car and I was about to leave. And I got a message on Slack from, uh, Cat Scratch Reader, somebody that worked with Cat Scratch Reader, and he said the NBA suspended the season. I'm like, wait, what? Maybe I need to look at all these Twitter notifications I got. And so I like, I was legit in the parking lot, and I made like a little loop and just parked my car again. And I started scrolling through all the stuff. I was like, oh boy. And then that's how I saw like, oh, Rudy Gobert has the coronavirus, the Jazz game, the Jazz and Thunder are in quarantine, and they can't leave the locker room. And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of a big deal. And that was how I found out. It's a crazy big deal, and I don't know what it says about our times, but when I first heard it, I was like, all right, I've really got to investigate whether or not it's true. Because, you know, you hear a lot of things on the internet that are are extreme versions of it. Maybe they decided Mm -hmm. to stop the game. Um, Rudy Gobert is obviously has been tested positive for the coronavirus, and then eventually um, uh, Mitchell test positive as well so i thought Mm -hmm. maybe it was an isolated thing and how could this huge organization responsible for tens of thousands of jobs decide to stop the season and they certainly have you know whether or not it's the right or wrong decision they certainly don't pay me enough to say that (laughs) right 
I do believe that taking steps to make making people safe, not only the the millionaire players, the hundred thousand dollar paid players, but also the employees and every you know contracted company that works with the NBA, making them safe is a important step through this. You know, yeah, you can't have the fans all out there like that's a huge gathering for people to spread it. Like even on a smaller scale, like the reporters in the in the locker room and in the press rooms after games the arena staff, like the ushers, and then I have to interact with all these people. And um, and then when, even if it's just one player, I think I saw I saw a post at like two weeks and have every team have a connection to the Jazz. You know, like, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah, the Jazz was... played whoever, and then, then they, they played play the Thunder, that. and then they went and played like the Raptors on Monday or something. And so like, and then the day before that, the Raptors played someone else. So like, you know, there's a lot of people that have indirectly come in contact with people that have come in contact with Rudy Gobert within like just a short span of a few days. So I understand what the league's like. Oh, maybe it better to be safe than sorry on this. Like they're not going to regret. I don't think can't or suspending the season for 30 days, but they very well could ex- majorly regret doing nothing about it. Feels weird. That's no there. Jonathan, oh, it feels not. very weird. Feels very weird. I mean, we've never seen it before. And to make matters worse, literally every sport is suspended right now. Like, we have nothing to turn to in the absence of basketball. Sure. I mean, you know, we could turn to our loved ones. We could turn to philosophy. We could turn to, (laughs) you know, um, the nature and stuff like that. But sure, you're right. There's nothing else to turn to because there's no sports going on. You're 100% right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's... I don't. There's. I don't really know what else to say about it. I like I said, the NBA said it's going to be a 30 day uh, initial time frame. They're going to reevaluate. Then I think they're going to have every player tested. I saw that they're going to have every player tested at some point during that 30 days, just to make you know, so they know who's who, you know, can't be in contact with who and all that stuff. Um, well, it's good for the NBA that they have access to the test. Hopefully, everyone else around the country will soon have access to this yes. to test. Um, what it interrupted was some really interesting, really entertaining Charlotte Hornets basketball, which is, you know, when you put it in the context of the coronavirus is small, but was a really fun week of basketball, Jonathan. Yeah, it did feel weird on that note. Like, so I wrote. I posted a real quick thing that just said, Hey, the NBA suspended the season. I posted that on the hive while I was watching the replay, like my recording of the Hornets and heat game. And it felt very weird to be just like talking about how well the Hornets were playing in that game, you know, knowing the bigger, the grand scheme of things that was going on around it. But yes, from a basketball point of view, the Hornets have been playing both good and entertaining basketball. Yes. Good. And, and, and I would say the good is up and down. Um, the yeah. Atlanta double overtime game. I don't know if there was good basketball played by either either team <laughs> uh, during that game, but it was certainly interesting. It was it was a crazy game. Uh, Terry Rozier goes for forty there, but I don't know if you want to start with Atlanta. They, oh, like just yeah, we'll go through the games since the the Bucks game. I thought the results were basically were perfect, right? Like they they played down to the wire against the Spurs. They played down to the wire against the Nuggets, but then they lost at the end. It's like that's exactly what you want to see from a rebuilding team. Um, the Rockets game was unique. 
it was thoughts. It was it was <laughs> weird. I, I do want to I do want to pause real quick at the San Antonio yeah, yeah. game just to give a quick yeah, yeah. shout out to Coach Tim Duncan. Oh um, yeah, who, I, forgot, I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, I know. It's, it, there's been some things that's been happening. I don't know if you've been watching <laughs> the news. Um, yeah, but you know, I have n- no idea how someone can affect one game as the you know uh, pseudo head coach of that team for that one game. But it was fun to see him be the head coach there. He obviously he obviously has a lot of clout and a lot of gravitas on that team anyway. So what Tim Duncan says to those players means a lot, I think. Um, but it was a close game, and I thought it was a, a again the defense is really showing on the uh, on this run. And Lord, at least there's some defense going on. You know? <laughs> I, I have a stat about that defense that I'm gonna bring up in a little bit. Um, I, so what, on, what, what, yeah, what, uh, what showed to you in that Houston game that you wanted to highlight? Um, just, so they played, they basically played like a, a kind of a de facto zone. Like, and then this goes to the defense again against James Harden, where they kind of, they, they had help on the elbows and they're like, so they took away James Harden's driving lanes and they're like, we're going to make James Harden. We're not going to let him get deep in the paint, and we're going to put ourselves in positions for quick closeouts where the shooters are because the shooters are stationary in the way the, the Rockets run their offense. And for one, I think it's a big credit to the young players on the team to have and I'm, to basically kind of implement a special defense for a certain opponent. Like on, you know, it's probably kind of on a whim. It's not something they're going to practice all the time. It's like, hey, this is going to be our James Harden defense. This is what you're going to do. And they executed it to perfection. And the Rockets, who are a good basketball team, had no answer for it. And James Harden had no answer for it. He turned the ball over 10 times. Um, aside from his usual uh, shenanigans to get some a bunch of free throws, he couldn't uh, he couldn't put the ball in the basket. And he just looked very uncomfortable, which is not common for James Harden. Um, so I thought that was a big, you know, a, a very good example of the Hornets showing how quickly they can adapt on defense and shows what kind of James Borrego is capable of as a, as a tactician. And it, yeah, I think it also shows how, I mean, I don't want to say two dimensional, but it, how different the team is without Westbrook. He didn't play that game. Um, yeah. And as, yeah. And as much as Harden struggled, still ended up with a triple double that mm-hmm. night. Um, but yeah, that, and, double if you count the turnovers. Oh, good call. Good call. I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. Instilling a, a defensive tactic and having the team adopt it, I thought was uh, I I see where you're coming from on that side. Yeah, so I thought that was good. Ended up, you know, taking a twenty to nothing lead in the first six minutes of a game is uh is fun to watch. It is fun to watch whenever the Hornets do something like that, though, because of the <laughs> NBA and because of the Sterling Hornets. I'm like, all right. Well, let me, get, <laughs> let me get past this commercial break and see what we do next. Yeah, and I mean they very they quickly, very quickly lost that lead. I think the Rockets were back within like two possessions in like five minutes in the second quarter. But that that first six minutes where the the Rockets had a more, they turned the ball had like more turnovers than shot attempts for the first several minutes of the game. I think they had like five or six turnovers before they even made a shot. Like that was that was that was fun. Rogier um, too. Rogier and and during the Houston game and really yeah. all along this streak has been playing some really good basketball. I don't I don't highlight him enough. Yeah. Um obviously I don't think anybody scored, does. 
40 more. Yeah, I mean, the, the man makes a lot of money, and maybe you're <laughs> expected to play in those that way all the time when you make that much money. But it's good to see someone like Terry Rozier doing it sometimes versus someone like Nick Batum, who especially nowadays just is a DNP most, most games. Yeah, and credit to Nick, by the way. Did you see that article about him? Him no. being the ch- uh, basically he basically apologized, said, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I've been so bad, um, but I'm gonna do my best." You know, he's like, "I know I'm not in the future plans for this team and stuff, so I'm gonna do my best to uh, be a cheerleader and do all the right stuff as a veteran on the bench for the young guys and stuff like that." So, like, okay, that's that's good, good for you, Nick. That's nice, and 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 we've talked about it before, and I'll be real quick on this. I want to make this very clear. He has nothing to apologize for. If the Charlotte no. Hornets want to pay me $120 million to get like <laughs> booed at or, or to get talked down to on some podcast for two regular Joes, do it. Please do it. I'll take all of it and sit on that, that bench and, like he said, be a great cheerleader for the team. You know, He's got you, nothing you, to apologize for. You, you take $25 million a year to, to have people that are much worse than you at basketball talk about how bad you are at basketball? I'd have to read the full contract, Jonathan. You know, I'd have to read the ins and outs, but I'd, I'd consider it. I'm just saying, I'd consider it, Charlotte Hornets. So the last two games before we get to present day, the Hawks game, watching it, like, you know, 143 points. What a weird points. game. What yeah, a weird the, game. The Hawks, obviously, 143 points is an ideal, and the Hornets defense wasn't as crisp as it had been. I did think the Hornets were somewhat a victim of the Hawks just being hot that night. Like there's there you know there are nights where you do the right thing and the other team just still makes their shots, and it felt a little bit like that. To an so extent. and yeah, and I, I made note of this while I was watching the game, and so it's I'm sure it might be hard to to bring your mind back to the end of the the end of the the um regular time during that game. Yeah, Terry Rozier playing def- made some really weird choices on the defensive end of that game. <laughs> Left people open for three pointers. Uh, uh, left the left the lane open for people to dig in. It was. I didn't understand that. You know, as much praise as I want to give Terry Rozier for mm-hmm. the for the streak and for playing really well, it was just. I there were some decisions, and your boy, Caleb Martin, <laughs> lost the game for the Hornets for during that um, with Hawks the game. The, f- the fouls. I mean, there were two fouls back to back where. A, he was caught reaching in on, um, oh gosh, on Trey Young, yeah, yeah, on Trey Young, and and I think there was a corner three that he fouled they, somebody. They on jumped as well. into him, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the NBA two minute report said he didn't foul him, like he blocked the shot, but he put, but for both plays, I think both plays you could argue that he didn't commit a foul, but he put himself in a position, he put the refs in a position to make a call when he didn't have to, right. Like Trey Young's dribbling around thirty feet from the basket with two seconds left on the clock. You have no reason to try to poke the ball away. Like he's going to take a shot that he doesn't want, that he's not going to be able to make, or is a very low percentage shot. Same thing contesting a three pointer in the corner like that. Like you don't need to block it. You need to just affect the shot. So yeah, there's there's a there's a problem in that. Um, we'll talk more about the Martins in a little bit. Uh, I do, th- but talk about the Hawks game. I thought generally the Hornets played well. Just they just couldn't keep up with the Hawks, who I think were kind of playing out of their minds. Yes, and and losing a double overtime game 
when you're, you know, kind of positioning yourself in that seventh, sixth pick of the draft um, mm. is, is fine for me. And, and again, another entertaining game where it was like you, me, and the announcers watching the game <laughs> in, in, with like time left in the second quarter, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then now, and then uh, Wednesday night, uh, the Hornets, I've, wins typically, like in general, aren't the best right now because, you know, draft positioning and all that stuff. But knowing now that the, we're in the hiatus and stuff, I do think this win over the Heat, even if they were missing Jimmy Butler, real good momentum builder, confidence builder going into the time off. And the Hornets played really well. Like the Heat, sixteen in the first nineteen shots. But again, it felt like that was just kind of bad luck on defense. Like Derek Jones made three threes in the first quarter. He's never made more than three threes in a game in his career. Coming off the uh, coming off the dunk contest win. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what Derek Jones? How many threes he had made in the last uh, four games? Five games before. Wednesday night. So I'm um, I'm 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 not going to back down to a challenge. I'm going to say five threes in the last five in the last uh, five games or four games for the Hornets game. He made zero. He was over oh, wow. ten. He was over ten from three in the four games prior to Wednesday night, and then he just decided that he was hot and he made three threes in a row to start the game. So huh. I thought that was kind of out of the Hornets' control, but then credit to them for not rolling over and dying. <laughs> when a superior team takes a big lead on them, they did what they did with the Rockets did. Made a huge run to start the second quarter and started the game over, basically. Yeah, and you know me. I, I am all about the regression to the mean when it comes to Devontae Graham, but watching <laughs> him be little junior Kemba out there, yeah. um, you know, 30 points, doing shake-and-bake things, uh, pull, pulling up from three almost looks like the follow through on a shot is the same as Kemba's follow through on a shot. Just mm-hmm. it's it's good to see. It's echoes of a ghost that I that <laughs> once was. You know what I mean? It was, it was fun to see. And you know they're probably going to make a mistake and and pay Devonte Graham a bunch of money, but it, it's good to see somebody evolve their game. You know? Do you think it, do you think uh, he's still most improved player? For the league, yeah. Or do you think it's gonna? Do you think he's going to win, or do you think he's still? Or do you think he's gonna go to like Sabonis or Adebayo or somebody that was an All Star or Tatum? Oh, of course, it's gonna go to Boston. Of course, it'll, it'll go to Houston. <laughs> I mean, everything goes to Boston, right? But yeah, it's. A, I don't like the Most Improved Player award basically because a lot of times it goes to second year players who are just getting used to the speed of the NBA and becoming better at it. However, I I really like Devontae Graham and, and if the best most improved award he could get is a is a huge contract. <laughs> I guess that's true. So in all those games, I, I wanted to bring it up and there's gonna be an article about this on at the hive today. Maybe you've already seen it. Maybe it'll be up later today, depending on when you listen to this. But dating back to February 10th, the Hornets beat the Pistons 87 to 76 in a game that is with in a score that should belong in like 1998. Um, starting with that game, the Hornets are 10th in the NBA in defensive rating. It's just, and that's a sample of like 12 games. So it's not just like a visual like eye test, like oh they look like they're more connected, like they're really locking down teams playing better defense right 
Yeah, and there was a stretch earlier this season where like uh, there was like a one or two week stretch where the Hornets played really good defense, and people were excited about it. And I think I even wrote like, "Hey, let's pump the brakes on this." Like the other teams are just missing a ton of open shots, but it feels different this time. Like there are more instances of you know like a team will make a play and they'll drive to the basket and they'll get they'll beat their man, but there'll be a Hornet waiting for them and they'll kick it out to an open player, but somehow there'll be another Hornet waiting there. And there are a lot more instances of it looking like there are like six players on the court for the Hornets and the offense, the other team just can't find any open players no matter what they do. And that's been fun to watch. And they have they've been playing some of the best teams in the league mm-hmm. in that 12 game stretch. You know, no no slack teams. We're talking about the Heat, the Rockets, the Bucks. The, they held the Bucks to 93, although they lost in that game because we only scored 85 points. They held the Bucks <laughs> to 93. Yeah, first They're, team in the, over a year to do that. Yeah, the Raptors, the Nets. I mean, I mean, it's interesting to see the defense in this younger team solidify a little bit. Is there is there a player that you see playing defense better? Um, my thoughts go a little bit to to Bridges. Uh, maybe maybe Washington is doing some more rebounds. What, what do you think? At Bridges, I think everybody individually is doing better. Um, I think what's affecting it more than I would have ever expected is the Martin twins and McDaniel's. Oh, Hansy Martin twins, huh? The Martin twins, and this is. A little, a little fun fact. I don't have it in front of me at the moment because it's on my. It's going to be an article later. But I, the Hornets' defense have played, I think, two hundred and thirty-three possessions more, and their defensive rating is with those two on the floor together is about the same as the Bucks' defensive rating for the season, which is the best in the league. Obviously, small sample, but in the small sample we have so far, when the Martins play together, the Hornets teams can't score on the Hornets. Oh wow, I, you know, and again, we we talked about it a little bit uh, during the Hawks game. Is that that kind of and and Westbrook was criticized in his career earlier um, when he was younger. Is that when you're taking those types of stealing chances, it can go one way or the other. It's a it's a coin flip. You know, you can get yeah. that foul. Um, you can let the offense offensive player get past you because you're trying to go for that steal. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance that as their career, or really how Cody balances it um, when his career goes on. You know, you and I have talked about Caleb before, but it's good to see <laughs> that at least there's some defensive identity forming. Yeah. Um, we yeah, were could... talking before the pod that Borrego was on the Ryan Rosillo podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, you know, having one of the younger teams in the league. It was second, I think in the league for most of the season and has been first uh, for a while. So he's playing. Yeah. Since like the all-star break or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly young players. And, and um, just real quick, Borrego, you know, going to a rival podcast, uh, (laughs) you know, it's not a good look. We're a local podcast. You should really come on our podcast, but I guess, you know, Ryan Rosillo is a big time. It's fine. You know, I can do push up too. Rosillo does consider us one of his bigger rivals. I've I've often heard that. Oh, for sure, for sure. He spends <laughs> too much time in the gym. I, I I've always said it. Um, but hearing him talk to Rosillo about having a younger team, what I like about that is that it seems like Borrego is invested in the future of this team, which mm-hmm. means that hopefully, what that means is that the upper management knows that these losses, knows that these struggles, is 
are building up to something, whether that be the players themselves growing or the players themselves becoming trade pieces in future deals, you know? Yeah, he did say something, and he said it kind of in passing, so it wasn't really expounded upon at all. But he mentioned that the team basically has been better than even – he's like, maybe even better than I expected before the season started. You know, which I think if this is a good organization, which obviously that's a debatable topic depending on who you ask, but I think the organization, from what they've said, is of one mind and like their expectations for the team and what they want to do going forward. So when James Borrego says the team is playing better than he thinks they should, that he expected going into the season, I think that speaks for the organization as a whole, that their expectations going into the season were, hey, we know we have to see what the young guys can do, make them better, see what we've got, and they've outperformed everybody's expectations. And I think that is good. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they kind of know what they're doing. He also <laughs> talked about some surprise with Devontae Graham, how Devontae Graham's blown mm-hmm. up. And I was surprised by Devontae Graham, and it's it's fun to see that as a surprise on the outside. I don't want my organization to be surprised <laughs> by that. You know, I really don't. You know, you saw this guy evolve. You should you should have seen his growth. And we're, you know, with all apologies to Rozier, we paid him $20 million a year to be a point guard when – there was a guy on our team who literally is able to be our point guard right now, especially if you're going to play all your young players. So I'm excited that they have patience, but I also get worried when I hear <laughs> what a surprise and how happy we are that Devontae Graham is, is taking this step forward. I think as an organization, you want to be conservative with your projections for your players. You know, like Devontae Graham couldn't see the floor as a, as a rookie. Obviously, Kimball Walker and Tony Parker here are part, a lot to do that. Um, I don't think you want to project that your mostly G League point guard is going to take a leap into being a 20-point-per-game scorer over one offseason, and I think that's where their surprise is. Um, hopefully they knew he had something resembling that like ability within him. I don't think it's like a total shock, but yeah. I think maybe the volume in which he's succeeding is has been the bigger surprise. Um, yeah, and, well, and not to relitigate the 2018 season or anything, but if you knew you were going to shortchange your star player and you you uh, are going to draft and then trade Sherry Gilders Alexander, maybe you don't do that with the Clippers <laughs> and you keep, you know, some say the best young point guard in the league, which we don't have to get into. That's a whole yeah. conversation. Well, that, one of the but things... that's the kind of planning stuff that, that yeah. I always worry about the Hornets. The one thing that I that kind of struck me about Borrego's interview, and you kind of touched on it with him talking about the age of the team, I I really like how like how detailed his knowledge is of what his team is good and not good at. Like he was pulling up stats of like the team's offensive rating and clutch situations off the top of his head, and like the average age of his team compared to the rest of the league, and he's got all of this stuff just like like he clearly he or he has people on his staff that are like, you know, self-scouting. Like, what are we good at? What are we not good at? You know, like, what do we need to get better at? Not just uh, these are the principles and we're just going to do what I say we need to do based on my gut because I'm a coach and I know what I'm doing because I'm a coach. Right. Then he's using the, I, I hear what you're saying. I expect that of coaches. Maybe that's too, <laughs> maybe that's wrong that- of me to do. 
No, but I do think there are older school coaches that probably don't pay that. You know, you've heard it, especially in other sports, but I'm sure there's still some basketball coaches that are still like, I don't pay attention to, you know, things like that. I see what I, I see it on the film. I see it when I'm coaching the team. I know what we need to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and anytime I've heard Borrego talk, I, I've been impressed and uh, with his knowledge. There, there was a more ambitious basketball writer a couple years ago who wanted to do a deep dive into Borrego. His name was Zachary Brown. He lo- no longer exists, but it, <laughs> it's, I, I like the way he thinks. And I, mm-hmm. I also have liked the way he, he set up his defense. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I like the Spurs things he's brought to the table and, you know, defining roles and giving players jobs. So they know what they're doing and they know what they're, what's expected of them as opposed to just go out there and, and do your best kids. Do you think you would win in a bench press contest against Ryan Rosillo? And when can we set that up? Uh, yes I don't and know. yes. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know how much he benches. Rosillo. Press. Let's see what we got here. Did you just Google Rosillo bench press? <laughs> <laughs> I think he can do more than me. But I might be able to make a, make it a fight. Let's do it. Let's put it to the <laughs> test. All right, we'll take a break real quick. We'll finish up on this, and we'll do Buzz and It Wasn't before we wrap up the show. Head out into oblivion. Head into the oblivion, into the abyss. Welcome back to the At The Hive podcast. we got a couple more minutes left before we send you on your way. we got some buzzing and wasn't, and that's about it since there's not a preview. There's nothing to preview. Zach, we'll start with you. Who is buzzing right now? So I've got to give it to this guy because I have really made it hard for him over the over this season because he got paid a lot of money, and there's been a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, but especially the past week. Terry Rozier has really stepped up his game and stepped up his leadership on this team. And I'll say this. I haven't highlighted enough how there, there's there been no pouting. There's been no talk with the media. He has really been a solid piece of this team. And he's been more than that for the past two weeks. He's been scoring a bunch of points, defending the best players on the opposition. and really being the player that is worth somewhere around 14 to 15 million dollars maybe not 20 million dollars but <laughs> you know it can be a solid piece for this team going for going into the future whatever yeah, future I, we see <laughs> um yeah and to to add to your point in the last four games he's averaging 26 points per game and shooting 55% from 3 pretty good numbers what you need um, for your starting point guard. <laughs> yeah, and I think people have had some issues with him because he was supposed to be like the, the point guard, and that hasn't really worked out in that sense. But it turns out he's a really good like two guard if he's got someone like Devontae Graham to play off of. And there's nothing wrong. Like He, he can play that role well. He's got the size for it. He's got the, the shot for it. He's got the mentality for it. There's nothing wrong with Terry Rozier being better as a two than a point guard, even if that wasn't the original goal. Sometimes you got to make adjustments on the fly. Yes, and I, I don't blame Terry Rozier for not being positioned in the best place. You know, 
it's not his fault that he got overpaid yeah. and and put that on his shoulders. It's obviously the the management of the Hornets that I blame for that kind of stuff. And Terry Rozier, you know, at the beginning of this, I was so against this contract, and I'm still against this contract. But one of the reasons that I was against this contract is I thought Terry Rozier would be a vocal um, person in the locker room who was not with the team, who was not willing to do what was needed to be done for this team to gel. And that has not been true. And I was wrong about that. And yeah. that's probably the last time you'll hear that I was wrong. Cause <laughs> normally right. 90,000% uh, of the time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're never, never wrong. Never wrong. Zach. No, no. So that's what they call me round, <laughs> round the corner. Yeah. So who's your buzzing candidate, Jonathan is, is, is the other backcourt mate. It's Devontae Graham. Uh, I have more stats. Uh, since Devontae, so Devontae Graham, you know, he's playing, he was kind of like, he went cold for a while and he kind of started to find it a little bit heading into the all-star break. And then he won the all-star break. He did a three-point shootout. He played well in the Rising Stars game. And it's like, all right, you know, time off. He'll come back ready to go, all reinvigorated after hitting that kind of rookie wall, so to speak. And he came out and went one for 17 from the field in the two games outside of the all-star break and 0 for 8 from three. James Borrego is like, hey, why don't you take the next game off? And the Hornets lost by 40. Uh, since that, it's been seven games. He's averaging 23 points per game, shooting 45% from the field and 41% from three. So uh, the game off seemed to help, and he seems to have recaptured the magic that he had going for him early in the season. And that culminated with a 30-point game against the Heat, and he hit some daggers against the Heat. And some, some again, I was talking about it before, some reminiscent Kemba positions mm-hmm. where he'd, he'd get the – someone would come up for the high screen. He'd yeah. get the screen, but instead of taking the screen, he would take, like, three dribbles, step back, and hit that, like, kind of long corner three. It's been, it's been really fun to watch Devontae Graham play. Do you think – where do you think Devontae Graham where, – where do you put Devontae Graham three years from now, let's say? What what type of player do you think he is in three years? Uh, best player in the NBA. Okay, all right, good <laughs> good prediction. No, um, it's hard to say because obviously he can't like the progression from year one to year two and like project that out because if he if we did he really would be the best player in the NBA in a couple years, right? Um, but I think he'll be. Like a a solid starting point guard. Like I don't think he's gonna be Kimba level, like All Star level, but I think he'll be, I think he'll be a starting point guard, and he'll be good enough to where you can look at the team and be like, point guard, at least starting point guard is good. We don't have to like go out of our way to look for a new one. You know, like Devontae Graham's a good enough point guard for the time being to build a team that's good. Maybe not like championship level good, but at least you know to take the next step into the playoffs and stuff with Devontae Graham at point guard, assuming the cast around him gets better. There's a you know a, there's a regression to the mean thing that I talk about with Devonte Graham all the time, but I'll yeah. be rooting I'll be rooting for Devonte Graham for the rest of his career. I, yeah. I like the way he plays. I like his passion. He you know I think like you were talking about before. I think it was instilled with Kemba Walker and Tony Parker, and his his vision has grown as well. I'll be rooting for Devonte Graham on or off the Hornets for the rest of his career. Yeah, he seems like such a nice kid. I can't remember. I th- I don't remember what the interview was, 
But um, I think it was like a media day. They asked him like what for the, what his goals for the season were, and one of them was just I just want to have fun. This is really cool to be an NBA player. Like I like that. Yeah, Respect and shout that. out to the braids too. Loving the braids, <laughs> loving the wave. I like it a lot. Yeah, I yeah he's got he's I like the hair. I like the hair, the big hair when he had it too. Like he's always winning with the hair. So um, should we get to the wasn't? Yeah, let's go to the wasn't because I'm ready for this. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go. You go, I'll, I'll go it. first. I'll okay, go first. Go ahead. But no, you go first because it ties mine ties into yours. You go first. It kind of leads one leads to the other. And normally I would attach this to the Hornets, but obviously we're all affected by what Rudy Gobert did. <laughs> Rudy Gobert. The the media was told to step back from the players. I can't remember what the actual distance was. I think it was six feet. Yeah, that's um, the typical. That's what it's been most places. I don't know if it's been that me specifically, but yeah, the general recommendation has been at least six feet. In order to keep everybody safe, or at least try to hold back this huge pandemic that the world is trying to deal with right now. Rudy Gobert, who seems like a fun-loving guy, I don't, I don't want to take that from him, is is finishing his press conference and just decides to rub his hands over all of the microphones on the table before he walks out. By the time you listen to this, everybody will have seen this footage. Um, probably everybody has already seen seen this footage. Yeah, just irresponsible. I mean, it's irresponsible as as a player, as a human being, as a role model for people. I know it's fun, and I, Jonathan, I would make, I would do this move a hundred percent. I I would do something like this as a joke. Yeah, it would yeah. all be well and good, Jonathan, if the man wasn't uh test didn't test positive for the coronavirus. Hours later, <laughs> literally hours later. So uh, you're my wasn't candidate, uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't think you're a bad person. I, you know, he's tweeted, you know, how embarrassed he feels about about doing that kind of stuff. His his teammate has been tested positive, which isn't a great thing. Um, but just keep safe out there, guys. Please wash your hands. <laughs> yeah, I think we've gotten to the point where like the jokes, like I think most everybody at some point has made some coronavirus joke like they sneeze and like oh it's coronavirus you know things yeah. like that and like oh i'm gonna give you the coronavirus but yeah rudy gobert making those jokes apparently according to what adrian Wojnarowski tweeted about him like touching people's stuff a lot being like oh i'm gonna give you the coronavirus and then of all people you being the one to be like the nba's patient zero to so to speak uh not his best moment Really not, really not. And again, I'm not trying to vilify him on, you know, I don't no. think he's a bad person or anything. Nah. Not a great look, though. Not no, a I think, yeah, he, I think he's just a, a guy who's trying to have fun, make light, you know, make light of a situation. Try, try to find the humor in a situation, and it just backfired and in the most spectacular fashion. Literally may have, have infected people with a virus. Yeah, that's yes. not great. Yeah, not, not the best. And my wasn't is because of Rudy Gobert. It's everybody. In the entire NBA, because nobody gets to play basketball, so there is no NBA right now. It makes me so sad, Jonathan. It really does. I love this game. I love watching the NBA. The Lakers are playing amazing basketball. LeBron James is having an insane season. Uh, Giannis is—it's so awesome to watch Giannis play basketball. There are so many, and you know, you and I get to do this really fun podcast. I'm a, a 
inconsolable about basketball, <laughs> although I know there are a million other things I should be consol- inconsolable about. Yeah. And on that point, At The Hive is going to keep posting content. I'm going to try to have – we're going to try to have stuff pretty much can, even though you know there's nothing actively happening in the NBA, whether it be Hornets stuff or like draft prospect stuff or miscellaneous things just to pass the time uh, to keep – the site you know active and alive and keep you guys with stuff to talk about and to read um we're gonna try to do this podcast again probably within the 30 days before the nba resumes assuming and we'll we'll scout scrounge up some stuff to talk about so you may be devoid of nba basketball to watch and be totally uh ripped away of content from your favorite hornets blog and your favorite hornets podcast my friend and your favorite we will, hornets we will be podcast. there we're not right. we are not on hiatus we are not suspended indefinitely we're still going strong because we don't actually have to see each other be safe please wash your hands think about your neighbors and be patient with people you know why do you need to hear it from me you probably don't but I, I assume that the small platform that I have, just be patient with people and remember we're all neighbors and sharing one globe, yada, yada. All yada. that stuff, yes. And I'll add to that, uh, wash your hands again, because maybe the more people you hear say it, people will actually do it. And don't pretend to wash your hands so people think you're washing your hands. That doesn't help anybody. Actually wash your hands. Don't just turn on the water <laughs> and do the action. That's not yeah. helping anybody. It's not helping anybody. That will not kill any virus. Actually wash your hands. And with that, we will see you guys later. Peace out.